Welcome back to the ATP Circuit Cafe. You're with Lewis and absolutely nobody else. Maybe some background noise if you're wearing high-fidelity headphones. Last edit was a bit choppy, but I'm utilizing this means of media format as a way of honing in on my skills. The first 10, 20, however many podcasts or shows or episodes will all be introduced using different names, potentially. This will be most effective as I will land on the name of a show and be like, yeah, nah, that is the one. That really is, and I'll continue to use it because it is. I've got a rough script case you're wondering, but my setup's portable. You'll have no idea where or who I am, but I am Lewis. Today's show is going to consist of a wider City Open preview that's in Washington, one of Aussie Nick Kyrgios' favourite tournaments on the ATP Tour, winning the event in 2019 and 2022. Previews of the other ATP 250s around the place will feature, as well as a short wrap-up on the tournaments we previewed for you last week. Pull your socks up and pour yourself a glass of pear cider because this one's going to be great. Perhaps we should get into some tennis. On last week's episode, we were like a few days into the 30th week of the year while previewing that ATP 500 Hamburg, as well as Croatia's 250 of UMAG both on the clay and the 250 in Atlanta on hard court. Hamburg saw Zverev victorious, winning in his place of birth, not the court itself, but the city. I don't want to bring too much to ex- attention to Alexander, but I love the Gravity Pro. Have you guys tried this racket? It's rather head-heavy, but on serves you can't miss. It's like a modern pro staff, that's how I'd best describe it. Probably one of the more forgiving 1820 rackets on the market. You've got to be a ride at tennis to use it though, like above an 8 UTR, honestly. I gave it to my mates for casual hitting basketball players and it was rough. Gave them the Wilson Burn 100 from a few years back and they were off to the races though. Very forgiving racket that one is. You'll notice a common theme in these shows about me getting off track and lost in my thoughts, going off script. But I truly believe that's where some of the best conversation ideology resides in these ramblings that I hope you find informative to some degree. I'm not attempting any comedy in this uh, podcast, but rather an at-ease feel, even though I chat pretty quick, if you can't tell. This is my show. Like, I'm going to do what I want. The other clay tournament in Croatia's Umag saw Alexi Poprin claim his second tour-level trophy, defeating 16-time tour-level champ Stanislav Wawrinka, 6-7, 6-3, 6-4, in a tight affair. Poprin suffered cramp in the last set. I thought he was out, but he batted out strongly. He said... Quote, my quad was done at 2-1. I felt it cramp and strain. I think it's pulled, but I managed to dig deep. I don't know how I won. I honestly don't know. Look, Alexi's really still young. I saw him play at the ATP 250 against Koch earlier in the year. Match was a blockbuster, went late at night. We thought Alexi was done in the first set. He lost it 6-love in about 22 minutes. Didn't look like he'd ever hit tennis ball before. But he was, he, he was off and he made it very competitive. Went three sets. I think the Koch got the victory in his hometown. I just don't reckon the community is aware of how much potential this bloke's got. Like, he's got such a slender frame. These kind of players will peak later in their career, more like 26, 27, 28. Let's hope he can stay injury-free as well as, like, prevail mentally. As I recall a television interview with his partner whilst Oz Open was on, and Popram made a decent run losing to Shelton in the third round. She, like, described how Alexi changed up his whole demeanor towards tennis after a tough 2022 of mental battles on and off the court yeah i'm sure you can just search that one up on the interwebs just alexi popper and partner interview it was really nice in the post-match interview poppy had a massive respect for stan saying it's an unbelievable honor to play somebody like stan in a final i grew up watching roger rafa novak play and to play him and beat him in a final words can't describe how happy i'm feeling poppy will go up to a career high of 57 in the ranks in Stan's also had a really beautiful words regarding his tennis and overall admiration of the crowd of UMAG. Here's a short clip from the post-game interview in his words. Guys, thank you so much. (laughs) 
I know it's so stupid to cry, but uh, I love this sport so much, and you make it really special. Uh, amazing week. Uh, really, hopefully, I can come back, and uh, thank you for the support during the week. Thank you for being here, and hopefully, uh, I see you next year. Super striking stuff there from the three-time Grand Slam champ. It's all right to cry. It's never stupid. I'd like to see more tears on the tour. You do see a lot of tears, actually, on the tour. But, yeah, no, nah, don't put yourself down there, Stan. Come on. First ATP final for Stan since 2019, if I recall. The other 250 from the third week of July saw American Taylor Fritz take the tournament as the number one seat, defeating Yubing Wu, Kane Ishikori, JJ Wolf, and 27-year-old Australian Alexander Vukic in the final. I actually predicted Taylor, aka Morgan Riddle's girlfriend, to win the tournament in last week's episode, in which he did promptly. He looks to the City Open as the first seed next week. Highlighting some notable things from Atlanta real quick. Ethan Quinn's second match on the ATP Tour as a wildcard saw him come up against Vukic in the first round. I stand corrected from last week as Quinn debuted at Newport, actually. Got his first round wind, actually, against Sasukuma. That's a terrible pronunciation. ATP 356. So a bit of an easier first round for him last week. Talked about Ethan Quinn a bit in last week's episode if you want to go check that out. It's good to see Kay come back nicely after some decent performance in ATP Challenger tournaments, including a win in his first tournament back in Palmas del Mar, Puerto Rico. Unlucky to draw Fritz early on in the Atlanta draw, but played well given the cause. Kay also looks to the Washington City Open and takes on South African Lloyd Harris in the first round of 64. Lloyd suffered some injuries, say 2022, early on. Good to see him back on the tour as well. It was like those years through 2013, I want to say to 16. Shikori was just a great watch and matchup for the big four in the hardest decade of tennis possible for any player. I would have thought Nishikori could have won multiple Grand Slams had the competition not been so fierce. He did have that one opportunity in 2014 versus Marin Cilic at the US Open. I mean, we needed at least one unorthodox tournament in the decade or could have been considered boring, perhaps. We would have loved to see other players win a Grand Slam in that phase too, like... Some names that come to mind are Joe Wilfred Songer, Kevin Anderson, Big K, another South African, Thomas Burditch. I'd potentially throw Milos Raonic in there, but that's probably coming from my bias. I'm a little too young to say David Nalbanian, as I definitely didn't get to experience him in his prime, like live, but I've watched enough 2000 highlights to submit him in that spot. Back to Songer real quick. One of my earliest tennis memories is watching the Djokovic Songer final on a Sunday night, rooting for Joe. I was about five or six at the time. I reckon I was five, yeah. I would have been five because I liked his name. I think he was wearing Adidas, which I had a weird obsession for when I was five. Actually, Novak would have been wearing Adidas as well now that I think about it. I've never enjoyed Novak, though. I enjoy a tennis player for their personality, usually. <laughs> Go, Nick. So, yeah, Nishikori deserved at least one Grand Slam, and he looks to make that quest accomplished. I don't know. Some of those matches from K against the Fed Express were well-deserving of a Grand Slam champ. I believe in UK. I'm channeling all the energy from Adelaide. You do know where I'm from. Yeah, so as Nishikori looks to City Open versus yeah, unseated South African Lloyd Harris in the round of 64, we see a variety of other enticing matchups which you could definitely kick your feet up to and be entertained by, possibly. The top 16 seeds are automatically through the round of 32, in which the other competitors must fatigue themselves in a match against a similar ranked opponent to have opportunities to first said higher ranked player. Notable high seeds include the aforementioned Atlanta champion Morgan Riddle's partner and Francis TFO at two, Felix Auger Aliassime at three, and big Polish servebot Hubie Herkax at four. Crowd entertainer Bublik Alexander is the sixth seed, and Sebi Korda ATP Adelaide finalist who pushed Noel to the grueling three hour match we saw earlier this year. He had a match point. He was the eighth seed. 
Wimbledon quarterfinalist Chris Eubanks, who speaks really well and was a commentator analysis for Tennis TV earlier this year before bolstering up the rankings, has a career-high ranking of 32 now. He's the 11th seed. Ben Sheldon features as ranked 41 and the 14th seed, and Murray is sniffing just behind him at rank 42 and the 15th seed. Murray can practically smell Shelton's last meal right now. He's that close behind him, seriously. Good to see Andy still high up in the ranks with those challenger wins in, I want to pronounce it, Sabiton, Sabiton, and Nottingham in earlier June, respectively, before Wimbledon. He had to play two matches on one day in the final in Nottingham, but he reckons grass is easier on his body than hard. It makes sense with his weaker ankles. It's going to be some really exciting names in the first round, including Kiwi Kiranal Panu, good pronunciation, Lewis, who qualified and is going to take on brutal hitter Aslan Karatsev in the first round. Karatsev plays his best tennis when he just blasts balls back at his opponent, just up the rally, up the court. And as the, when they go in, they go in. Like It's just great to watch. He's also sponsored by that. I can't tell you what it's called, but it's I'm pretty sure it's like a Russian or like Bulgarian or one of those brands. It's got the skull. Ilya Avishka, he's, he's sponsored by him as well. I, I don't mind that attire, you know. So yeah, Kokonakis takes on Taro Daniel. The winner gets the chance to verse Frenchman Hugo Humbert. Round of 32. Gail Monfils, another French bloke, features as a wild card, looks to take on American qualifier and ATP 695 Beyond Frantangelo. Impressive Beyond. That needs a shout out. He's 30. I'd imagine qualifying for a 500 is pretty big for him. I just, I'm just going to look him up. Be right back. All right. Bjorn's won four challenges. That's pretty decent, you know. And he's engaged to Madison Keys 22 weeks ago. That's nice, Bjorn. Get on you. Madison Keys. Yeah. Marcus Heron takes on Radu Albot. The winner taking on JJ Wolf. Actually, speaking of Kevin Anderson earlier, he's got a wild card into this tournament. It's going to take on Aussie Jordan Thompson. I believe Anderson has come out of retirement 14 months after announcing it. I love a serve ball. I love an ace. The winner of that match will get the opportunity to play the seventh seed, Adrian Manorino, the man with minor backswing, such low trampoline like tension on his strengths. I believe it's around 17 or 20 pounds or something ridiculous. Exciting potential future matchups within the tournament include Shelton and TFO in the third round, and one of them to verse potentially Sebi Corder in the fourth. Chip and charger Dan Evans is also on that side of the bracket. Fritz has a decent run to the semifinals, but may run into trouble with Hubie Hercox and Alexander Bublik on his side of the racket. Felix Auger-Aliassime will look for redemption after a disappointing 2023. A lot of his ATV points were held in the latter of the season last year. It was indoors and in Northern Europe. The man plays good tennis when it's up there. It's like Stan when he wears a funky pair of shorts. You know you're in for a treat then and a pearler of a one-hand backhand down the line. Watching him defeat Novak in that rolling arrows was one of my favourite childhood memories. I also remember accidentally burning popcorn in the microwave once i believe for that very final late at night it was either that 2016 wimbledon i reckon i could have been one of the only person in australia that was rooting for milos that night and he was one of the best in 2016 though he did deserve it with the tennis he was playing sorry just got a bit off track there <laughs> let's not forget about grigor dimitrov who silently slips in the number five seed and may potentially match up against yoshihito nishioka the small japanese lad in the third round either of them could potentially take on felix in the fourth on the lower side of the bracket with TFO and Sebi Korda and Ben Shelton, as mentioned before. Speaking of Shelton, I saw a post from the Atlanta tournament of a different string tension players were utilizing for the said tournament. Shelton's was like 72 or 74. Apparently, he was cheeky and changed it to shock people, but I was just astounded before I did a bit more research, aka read the Instagram comments. Johnny Isner's was playing at about 36, if I recall correctly, maybe 34. This leads to my point that I reckon there's going to be a prevalence of stiffer frames and lower polyester setups as we look into the future. Although one might debate Isner's playstyle is anything but modern, rather traditional in his big serve. 
Unfortunately, there is no Big John in Washington this year. He's at a 250 down south in Mexico. Personally, I see Fritz taking this if TFO loses early. If TFO lasts past the first two rounds and into the quarters, I see him winning it. One player I reckon that could potentially sneak in is, of course, Kei Nishikori. He just needs to be able to hit through it with him, you know? I don't think he's too used to it, though. Just of yet. So Washington looks very fun, and although his missing big Nick Kyrgios is not to worry with names such as TFO and Bublik looking to entertain the crowd. And Andy Murray will of course draw a crowd too. Speaking of TFO, I tuned into a big announcement live stream featuring Francis earlier this week from Yonex, in which he dropped news of the new Yonex racket, the Percept. The Percept's going to be taking over the V-Core Pro line as they control base rackets and is possibly the best looking stick out there besides the Technofiber t Fight series, no bias. Of course, it's all subjective, but the green is so nice and it just suits the vibe of the racket for sure. And there's this nice pink on the Yonex, it pops so good. Francis said he would debut the racket at the City Open, so it's going to be cool to see how it looks on court. I'd imagine he's going to get some nighttime slots as well, so it'll really shine on the racket. Other tournaments featuring this week, which I'm going to consider week one of August, include the ATP 250 Generali Open in Austria, with the top four seeds including Thomas Martin Echeverri, Yannick Huffman, the big German. He's been in really good form recently, especially on the grass. Pedro Kachin and Austrian native Sebastian Offner. Popperin is enrolled in the tournament as a special exemption, just real quick, along with Dominic Tiam, Mevedez, Roland Garros, Subdua, Tiago Siobhan Wild features as a wildcard. And a favourite of mine, Daniel Alahi Galan, just because I watched him train in Adelaide and I like his ground strokes. The tournament's on clay for some unknown reason. The other 250 of the week is in Mexico, holding larger tennis personalities with Greek or even Melbourneian, as he'd say, Stefanos Sitsipas. Brit Cam Norrie, American Tommy Paul, Croatian Borna Koric, and Aussie Alex D. Menor are seeds one through five, respectively. So there you've got three Masters Thousands winners with Stefanos Tsitsipras, Cam Norrie, and Borna Koric, a Grand Slam semi finalist in Tommy Paul, and Aussie Alex D. Menor, who plays very well in Mexico as he won Acapulco earlier this year, the 500. This one's on hard court because the US Open is coming up, which is on hard court. That makes sense. I would give this tournament a lot of attention if I had the time with such names in a 250. It is almost rare these days. I guess the guys just love playing in Mexico. In fact, I saw a video of Demon and his mate putting along in a golf car in their nice golf attire whilst eating a burger and chips in the desert. To be fair, that is not a bad life whatsoever. I'd like to say that's about a decent wrap-up just for this week. Robin Soderling just for some reason wandered into my mind as one of those players who deserved a Grand Slam too. Davidenko as well. Yeah, Popperin looks really good. I'm super keen to see how this week's City Open plays out. We've got like a month until the US Open and a Masters in Toronto and Cincinnati, respectively, just around the corner. Things are exciting in the American swing of the season. I want a Medvedev US Open run this year. A Djokovic-Medvedev grueling fight never disappoints, but I could see Alcaraz sweeping this year's tournament. It's all so much fun. This has been your weekly stop at the ATP Circuit Cafe. As this episode podcast show Thing develops so hopefully will its professionalism and stance towards it thank you so much for enjoying your time at my cafe please leave a review